0: The, the look on a teenager's face of disinterested is almost identical to the look on the face of fatigued, because missions conference weeks can be long weeks. So I'm trying to discern between which one it is, if, if, but I'm really hoping it's landing on the fatigue side. Just the fact that you're here tonight, guys and girls, it's incredible. I think on Monday night of missions conference, it is uh, a novelty. It's new. It's, it's, wow, coming to church on an extra night. On Wednesday, it's kind of habit. You're, Tuesday... That's special. <laughs> I am proud of you for being here, and it is a long week ahead, and so thank you for participating. But teenagers especially, uh, the, the heart for missions and the, the mindset for giving to missions and participating, that seed was planted in me as a child, and just I got to see it take root as a teenager. And, and guys, my, this, isn't, this is a reflection of God, and, and through my teen years, I gave tens of thousands of dollars to missions as a teenager, um, you say, where did I get tens of thousands of dollars? Well, I gave. That's the end of the story. That's the, that was it. That was the whole thing. Um, God, God gave it to me, and I didn't need it. I was a dependent, and I got to give. And, uh, and I'm telling you, it's, like, ridiculously exciting. You, you try it out. I want you to go for it. It's incredible. It's incredible. Tuesday night, hang on, I'm backtracking now, we're going to go to where we're heading, let's go to the scriptures, let's go there, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Hmm. let's go first 7, oh I know where I was going, okay, you're, you're at the Bible, but put your finger there, we'll read it in just a second, I wanted to ask you, what happened on Monday of missions conference, I want to uh, up to, on Sunday, Sunday, I was here Monday, I remember what happened Monday, let's back up to Sunday morning, who preached Sunday morning to kick off the, the service? But the Cobb did. Can anybody tell me the, the subject or the theme or the passage that he preached from? Missions. Don't say missions, okay? I, <laughs> I know that was the subject. Let's the King James. <laughs> Jesus. Yes, you worked in youth ministry. Okay, if you have notes, so you can use your notes. It's okay. I, I encourage you to look at. Can anybody tell me? Uh, pa- Pastor, I was I'm not supposed to be discouraging at all. <laughs> Let me ask Pastor Cobb. Remember the Cobb? Language? A lot of, a lot of things? The difficulties of the language of language phonetics. Okay. Does everybody remember that? That was here. How many of you that are here tonight were here on Sunday morning? You were here for that. You admit it. Okay. Does that message sound familiar? That. Okay. Okay. That was Sunday school? That was Sunday school. Okay. That was Sunday school, the difficulty in language and on the mission field. And then Sunday morning, who, Brother Matthews preached Sunday morning. Um, do you mind telling me, anybody, the theme or the text, or the title? Lift up, their eyes. Lift up their eyes. Mrs. Bingham was remembering that very clearly. But it, she, it looks like you, it looks, I mean, are you reading? Are you reading your notes? No, but I, I want to compliment. I, that is not cheating when it comes to... Like listening in church, writing notes is a tremendous way to remember these things, because you've been given an incredible amount of truth up until this point. And if it comes and then it's it's like attic theory. If if what I preach tonight pushes out what was preached on Monday night, that's no good. We got to retain all of it. I would not like to just uh, erase what already happened. I want to add to that. So okay, lift up your eyes. Good. And then that was on Sunday morning, and then Sunday evening. Who preached? Brother Cobb preached Sunday evening. Do you remember the theme? Say, say it again, I'm sorry. <laughs> Hannah. Faith Hannah and Faith Promise. Okay, and you, you someone had mentioned that on Monday, that picture of Faith Promise is Hannah. Okay, good, good. And then last night, it was regarding missions giving and grace giving, and enjoyed that. Good, okay. Now tonight, we're talking about Mind for Missions, Pastor said. Let's try to look at the idea of the back behind-the-scenes burdens. And so the thought is this, the, the blessings that will help highlight the burdens, and that's what we'll kind of look at. And I'll, I'll explain it in a little bit, but we're in the Scriptures, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 7. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permit. Can somebody tell me who was the human pen behind 1 Corinthians? Paul, the great apostle Paul, the missionary, the church planner, he says, For I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. And he's writing over to a church in Corinth. That's why it's called 1 Corinthians. So he's in Ephesus. He's in another part of the country, another part of the world. And he says, I'm here, you're there. And he says, This, why am I staying around this these parts for any extra length of time? In verse 9, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and, and there are many adversaries. He says, There's two reasons I'm staying here. One, because of the great door and effectual that's opened to me, and because there are many adversaries, and for both those reasons, I feel like it's necessary for me to stay put in this place that God has put me. When you take an active duty position in the army of God, you are engaging in a great work. When you take an active duty, so we think about uh, uh, fight the good fight of faith, like hold on, hold on the arm of God. So we think about active duty positions in the army of God. When you decide to take up a role like that, you are doing a great work. Great works are always met with great opposition. Okay, let's. I kind of got to build a premise here. Um, maybe uh, I, I don't usually like disclaimers before sermons. I feel like it kind of dilutes the message, but this, this one kind of demands a few caveats. One is this um, the Apostle Paul wrote 1 Corinthians. We're going to talk about burdens. We're going to talk about burdens that missionaries carry. Don't at all think that I'm putting myself in the same league with the Apostle Paul. You know who wrote 2 Corinthians? Paul as well. Okay, let me, let me read some of his his. Uh, ministry experience, his testimony, of the Jews five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice was I shipwrecked, suffered shipwreck. a night and a day I have been in the deep. Uh, Paul had Jewish mercenaries following him around wherever he went. Uh, I, I'm going to preach my experiences, but don't at all, please don't think that, I'm not even in the same universe with this guy. Okay, but I'm going I'm to preach just, a testimony. Uh, I have been an entire year in the pastorate, one whole year. And, and and for part of that, I wasn't even like the pastor. I was still just like the uh, church planter out, out of heritage. It hasn't even been a year yet. So oh, like my little ladle of, of ministry experience, I'll give it to you. But I understand there's people like Brother Cobb and like Pastor Larson and and their their ministry. It's like a Olympic-sized swimming pool compared to what I could dip into, but I want to just give you some experiences over the last year and see, see if this will help. But Pastor asked me to preach on this topic, and it's not a coincidence. I trust that he knows what the Lord wants and who He wants to present it. And so I just I want to ask you to help me with this. And lastly, I understand I'm in Topeka, Kansas, USA. <laughs> I'm not in first-century Rome. I'm I'm not in communist Vietnam. You could be at my house in like four hours if you want. I I understand. I'm in Topeka, Kansas. Uh, (laughs) I want you to understand, though, with all those caveats, it's still, I can say it with great conviction, when you or I, or Paul, or anyone takes an active duty position in the army of God, whatever that position may be, wherever part of the country that may be, wherever any time of the timeline, the history of mankind that might be, when you take an active duty position in the army of God, you're engaging in a great work, and a great work is always met with great opposition. Always is met with that. If you want to climb, if you want to have a a mountaintop experience, okay, I want you to picture this. our video charter service that was that was mountaintop experience that's that's special to be a part of that like that thrills my soul to be there and so that is that is missionaries come in and we're going to give you kind of for the 66 that you will hear from and the more the the others going forward you'll hear and they'll present about just mountaintop experiences and sometimes you think man i I, I like that. I, it sounds incredible. It's very exciting. It's way up here. And my friends, you understand if you're going to be right here, it means that you had an uphill climb for a very long way before you reached this spot. And sometimes you'll hear from missionaries, you'll catch a glimpse of them in a the valley and you think, man, i got to pray for them. They're discouraged. They're down low. My friends, the Bible says, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. There's some weariness that comes with well-doing. And when a missionary stands up and says, look what God has done, and look at the victories, and look at the mountaintops, and you're like, man, that's great! And they're doing this. It. it looks like it's just an easy path. You understand there's some weariness that comes with well-doing. There's a fatigue that comes with mountaintop experiences, and there is some fainting that is very susceptible when you have a high altitude climb. Don't so so the the, the burdens, the that's the blessings. Brother Bingham said that missionaries don't like to complain that God is good and that it is the absolute truth. Absolute truth. Missionaries often um, Will come in, and, and there's no reason to pout about anything. There's really no reason at all. And you come in with a shout and just praise God for what He's done. But I want you to help. I want to help you to be able to, as a mature Christian, as a person that's going to be heavily invested in missions, I want you to make the connection between the blessings and how you say, okay, you know what? That is actually kind of a uh, glimpse into the burdens that they might be carrying. Is that making sense so far? Okay, let me, let me say it this way. Um, victories victories are not a product of times of peace. Victories come during wartime. As an American, I like that we have a winning record when it comes to wartime. And typically when our boys and our, our, our servicemen and women come home, it means that we won, typically. And they're coming home because we were victorious. And they come back and the headlines say, Victory... And the servicemen say nothing. Why don't you tell me about it? No. Well, no, I get it if you're the loser. If if you had defeats, I get it, you wouldn't want to talk about, it, but we won. Tell me about it. You know some of those men who fought in battles. And they they won. You know what it cost them? You know what it did to them? We have so many military men in our city. I hold a weekly Bible study on Wednesday nights with a transitional residency for veterans. Uh, the majority of the men in our church have military experience. I don't talk, 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 talk about it. They don't. No. So we, we won. And um, yeah, missionaries come and say, we're starting a Bible college. And i go. like, oh, Whoa, what a victory. Do you know the price that was paid to get that thing started? And I want you to hear the blessings and then feel the burdens. The missionaries, we're, we're not going to come crying. Well, we're going to try not to, and then we're going to embarrass ourselves. You say, look at the people that are getting saved. You're like, oh, man, easy field. No, that's a victory, and you know that came through a battle that was fought said we've had dozens of people baptized we got to charter a church after only being open for three four months my friends the, the, there is a battle that's associated when it comes to victories the scripture talks about that there was a great door and effectual opened and there are also many adversaries i picture it kind of like pastor larson can you open that door for me i don't know what's behind there uh oh, is, is, sto- is it one of those storage closets that's just gonna be <laughs> packed? Okay, good, no, it's not. But okay, so a, a door is open. And I know that it's open, I'm aware of that, but the devil's also aware of that. And I almost picture it like this that every time God opens a, a door, an effectual entry, that the devil hangs right outside of its entry a, a hive of bees. And uh, there are many adversaries. And so oftentimes, missionaries will come through and talk about the open door. And they're talking to you from this side of it. And don't think that there wasn't a lot of difficulty to walk through it just because God opened it. I'm kind of a cup half full kind of guy. And uh, sometimes when things are unusually difficult, when there is pressure that cannot really be accounted for. You know what I think? I think perhaps a door opened, I missed it, but the devil didn't. And so with that degree of enthusiasm, I kind of embraced the idea of this is difficult because there's a door, I just got to find it. Yeah. And the devil wants to discourage you from going through that open door. Yeah. And Paul said there's a, there's a great door of effectual, and effectual open, and there's also many adversaries. So whether you see the door and that keeps you there or you're feeling the adversaries and that keeps you there, know that whenever you're taking an active duty position in the army of God, it's a great work. And any great work is always going to be met with great opposition. Uh, Behind the scenes, look at some of the burdens that missionaries may carry. I think about... The scripture in Philippians 3, 8, yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And we'll come and say, look, many souls were won, and praise be to God and he gets the victory. But the personal loss that might come with that victory, and Paul says, I, I count it but loss, but it is still a loss. It's a burden that I want, to, I want you to understand, and, and it's presented as a blessing. Uh, there is a fatigue. There is a, uh, an agony that comes with winning, not just with losses, not just with losing. So I would like to say this. Up until this point, I've communicated just kind of the principles, the ideas that surround church planning and missions work, and to help achieve pastors' wishes, I really would like to outline uh, just a few few bullet points. But I, I don't want it to just be a bullet points. Okay, let me ask you like this: uh, In the Bible, there are a lot of stories. Correct? Yes, okay, we're reading our Bibles, lots of stories. How come the whole Bible isn't formatted similarly to the Ten Commandments where it's thou shalt and thou shalt not? I feel like we could have consolidated a lot of it if God would have boom, boom, boom if he would have just bullet pointed out, outlined. But he chose to put stories in there. Why Why so many stories? Because through stories, you get to really see the mind of Christ more than just the bullet points. And so in an attempt to try to best communicate this truth, I want to just give you a few stories and see if I can highlight some of the burdens that come. But I want to use the idea of blessings because of this. A quote by Charles Spurgeon, we are too prone to engrave our trials in marble and write our blessings in sand. And Laura and I determined years ago that this would not be the case for our family. We will not be prone to engrave our trials in marble where we will always memorialize those hard times and the burdens written in sand that they just whoosh. And we thought, you know, just the opposite's going to be the, the case. And there's going to be burdens and, and we'll catalog them, but what we're going to hang on to and what we're going to rehearse are the blessings that God has brought our ways. And I want to give you some blessings that we have had, had experienced in ministry. And I, want, and I thought about this the, to the effect that these have been such a blessing to us had they been absent, had they not been there, how much more difficult the behind-the-scenes burdens that we would have experienced had God not given us these blessings in our life. So blessing number one, ascending church that is enthusiastic about seeing us succeed. Uh, in a in Ascending church. So we came from Arlington, Texas. I was a youth pastor there for 11 years. And as we left... Pastor Lassiter and the church family sent us off with just a lot of love, a lot of prayer, with a commitment of regular support, with a check of $10,000 to invest in the work that we are starting, and they were behind us. We moved up to Lawrence, Kansas, where we met Pastor Hanks, and really very much a stranger to him, and he said, we're going to provide for your housing while you're here until you can get a place of your own, and we will put you up in a house, and we'll pay for that. We're not only going to do that, but we've already purchased a building That you will get to start your ministry in. It's paid for. We have no monthly mortgage or a rent that we have to pay for. Uh, In addition to that, on a weekly basis, they would send out volunteers to help with the construction. I got to work alongside of some good men. They would knock doors every Saturday and hand out tracts for Capital City Baptist Church. When I say we, I mostly mean the people of Heritage Baptist Church were responsible for flyering over 30,000 doors in Topeka advertising the start of our ministry. And with such an incredibly strong start, it was such a just just infusion of life into a first-time pastor, into a family who had just left. All four of my daughters, born and raised in Texas. I pulled them from their home. I bring them to Kansas. We've never lived before, to a pastor that we just barely met. And we're in this, in, in this brand new environment and just this infusion of life. The pastor that I grew up under for 23 years, the pastor I was saved under, the pastor I was called to preach under, some of the men from his church came down and helped us with construction. They sent us $10,000 to help it because the church property needed it to get it started. And all this infusion of life, and I think about had that been absent. <laughs> Heritage is like 25 minutes away. I need something, it's there in half an hour. I didn't cross an ocean. And I'm telling you, the amount of, and this is embarrassing, but loneliness, and I'm in the United States. I'm half an hour away from an incredible church that anything I need, boom, right there. And missionaries come in, and they left everything, everything that brings them a sense of stability. It's not this economy. It's not this culture. It's not this language. And I think about the blessings that God gave, and I want it to highlight in our hearts the burdens that will come with missionaries. A sending church that is enthusiastic about seeing you succeed. And my goodness, and and supporting churches that are enthusiastic about seeing us succeed and the investment in that, that success. When I hear my story I think to myself, well, with an advantage like that, you should have succeeded. It should have been a charter service in a couple months. And um, I feel that way. I feel this sense of, of just so much life, and it's not a reflection of me. It's, it's the, the churches that invested in us. Let me, let me give you another, see if we can make this make sense all the way through. Um, companions in ministry, perhaps the greatest advantage that we had in starting Capital City Baptist Church wasn't a property that was paid for, but it was mature Christians who helped start the church with us. Two families from Heritage Baptist, the Cornwall family and the Johnson family, they, with their encouragement from Pastor Hanks, prayed about being a part of this church plan. They were from Topeka. They were commuting to Lawrence for church And they said, You know, I think God wants us to be a part of this. On on Sundays, from the very beginning, um, it's not the Mark and Laura show. Jacob Johnson leads the singing, he's teaching the adults. We have ladies and men that are teaching the children's classes. I don't handle the finances, I don't write checks. I'm prepared to if we need to, but I don't have to. I am not the church treasurer, I'm not the church clerk from the From day one i it's, like how did we start like this? how is this the the <laughs> encouragement, the anticipation of going to church, because I know that there's going to be at least two other families there that I'm so excited to see that are so kind to us, that's so supportive of, of us, and just the infusion of life that is in this church to be able to establish something that's brand new. And when people come, it's not all on me. It's, it's, it's a shared responsibility. And I think about just the advantage it was to be able to start with these people from just community impressions. People come in, and it's not just an awkward homeschool family sitting there You're like, hey, come to our church there's <laughs> now six of us plus you <laughs> we are <laughs> the singing the special music uh, the friendship and uh, once again this is unusual this is not the norm And it's a humbling thing. And it's bragging completely on the Lord. And it's how he wanted it to go. And some men he finds strong enough. And families he finds faithful enough to send them across the sea without another soul in sight. Wow. And they go and it is just the Mark and Laura show or whoever the couple is, and it is just the six of them, and they have no other way to do it, and they're faithful every Sunday, and they have services, and the anticipation can quickly turn into resentment every Sunday morning for a little family that's going to church, and no one's there. My friends, the um, -the behind-the-scenes burdens... I like what Brother Bingham said. God sends humans. That's, that's amazing. That's a, my friends, I, I know Brother Bingham is a familiar voice, but please don't overlook the depth of a truth just because it comes from a familiar voice. God's sending just humans, and that's how we feel. That's how you would feel. And so as you pray for them, as they come through, as they present their works, and they praise God, and they talk about just the excitement it is to be an active duty in the army of God, I want you to remember that it's a great work, and it's always met with great, opposi- always met with great opposition. We think about this. Um, we moved in October of 2021. <clears throat> Before we left Texas, Laura and I, Spent 2,500 of our own dollars to try to invest into what would be a personal um, health insurance program for us to get that started because we were leaving an established church with an established salary. and We thought we got to kind of get ourselves set up towards this and through the transition, it was very um, labor-intensive and just moving life over. Just and it's just life, normal life. You ever move across states? It's not an easy thing. You move, (laughs) and I'm talking to people who have moved across countries. You understand. We move in and uh, through this transition, Chelsea's health was kind of uh, touch and go. It was a little, it, something was off and we knew it. We, we thought once we get settled into Kansas, we'll find a doctor, we'll have some tests done and see where she's at. And we found a local f- family medicine uh, and the man did some blood work and he said, how about you go over to Children's Mercy in Kansas City and they'll read the results and let you know what's there. So we, Chelsea and I drive out to Kansas City one day uh, for just a consultation and the doctor says, I don't need to see you, I need to admit you to the hospital. So what is this? Like, and, and Chelsea had uh, experienced some blood loss and her hemoglobin was at a critically low level. And she says, as we admit two points above this, she's two points below where we'd usually admit kids into the hospital and said, so this is, a, I, <laughs> we had no idea. We walk into the situation and so uh, this is January of 2022. And I said, okay, um, obviously unsettling to hear that news. And they can you just do some blood work before we go? Just double, and she, they did more blood work. They expedited it. Within half an hour, they said she has dropped even more since the last week when you took her blood test. We need to admit her. So we go to... Uh, Kansas City she's admitted in the hospital they do a blood transfusion they do a scope the next morning they do all these tests and I'm in the hospital and I get a phone call and they said hey we're with the financial department we're wondering if you could use some financial aid in this situation this time our support was like between 800 and $1,200 a month like a, a month <laughs> and you've seen their grocery bills going up and I was like, you know, actually, yes. Yes, I could. And uh, as a US citizen that has been paying taxes for a couple decades, I said, yes, these, these systems are in place for these types of emergencies. And I said, I, I would very gladly like some assistance. And they said, well, what's your salary? And I was like, 800 bucks a month. And they said, how many kids do you have, four? And they said, you qualify. I was like, woohoo! because I was a U.S. citizen, and because I've been paying taxes here, and because America is pretty incredible. And, uh, you know, I'm glad healthy emergencies don't happen when you leave the country. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Wait a minute. (laughs) And it was just, uh, what a relief. February and the fatigue of starting the church and trying to get ready for our March service, Laura took on just a weird virus and blood work after blood work, and they never... They said, you need to drink less, is what their advice was from the doctor. She said, this type of blood work is associated with heavy drinkers. And she's like, I've never drank in my life. (laughs) (laughs) That's all the advice they gave, though. We're like, I have nowhere to go from here. And uh, it it was a... Like, so mid February into March, I probably probably a solid six weeks of just regular doctor's appointments trying to figure out why these numbers were so elevated. And uh, at, at first, the first couple of visits cost a couple hundred dollars a visit. And then the whole family was approved for Medicaid. And I thought, this is a humbling experience, but what a blessing it is to be in America and to be an American and have been paying taxes. And um, this is for a limited time and it is for an emergency situation. And it is, a, once again, a very kind of vulnerable or full disclosure moment. But it's the behind the scenes burdens of missionaries and the healthcare system across the world for the citizens of that country. What are you supposed to do? when you get a checkup and they said you need to be admitted immediately. It's just real life and it's your your daughter. What are you gonna do? Um, It's a great door and effectual opened and there are many adversaries. The Lord has given me an incredible family that's incredibly supportive. A wife that loves me and loves the work that I am called to do. And God God called me to the work. And God called her to me. And so the enthusiasm behind starting a church as any man that loves to work and loves productivity and loves a challenge and a wife that loves a man this much because the excitement level of starting a church is not the same. The calling was right here. And I think about families where the wives have some hesitation, where they've transitioned as their kids are older and teen years, where there is already a little bit of just a strain on the family relationship. And you know how that's going to be magnified when you take them out of their comfort zone and land them in another country. And and missionaries come in and the teenager's kind of off. You know, like, huh, that's a ministry kid. Yeah, that's a a human being is what that is. That's a teenager who's experiencing all the emotions and all of the uncertainties and all the anxieties that come with being a child transitioning into an adult human, right? And all of the stuff that's going on up here and has been thrown into this world that they were not called to, but following the leadership of the father, and you know the burden is on a father to throw your kids into that mix and to tell your wife that now you get to homeschool, but they don't speak English, and now you have to care for the kids, but I don't know how the medicine works, and now you have to clean the home, but I don't even know how the electricity works in this part of the world, and I don't even know if there is electricity, and all of those complications, and I'm in Topeka, Kansas! And I see the stress that it is on a family and you understand whenever you're involved in a great work, there's always going to be a great opposition. And the number one target is the leadership, is the man. And if the devil can't get to the leadership, he gets to the wife. And if he can't get to the wife, he gets to the children. And you have kids come through there and you have wives come through here and they're presenting their work and they're going to the mission field and you're like, why aren't they better Christians? I don't know! Why don't you step into their shoes and try to be a better Christian? Try to just survive the environment. And they're not supposed to just go there and survive. They're supposed to go there and minister and pour themselves out how are they going to find this inner strength except for the intercessory prayer of God's people except for the support of God's people except for it be a great God who opens doors and the devil who still sticks adversaries right in front of it but with a heart of faith they march through those doors And they come out on the other side and they said, let me tell you about some victories. And I want you to listen closely to the victories because you know those come during wartime. They didn't come through times of peace. They said, let me tell you about the mountaintops up here. And you know in your heart that they had an uphill battle and they might be weary and well doing. They're doing great. They don't need our prayers. Yes, they do need your prayers. They may have spent every last ounce of strength that they had. And they're looking to be infused by the family of God when they come in here. Would you do that for them, please? An active duty position is a great work. But I know this. I know that's not exclusive to the clergy. I know that there's many active duty Christians that are sitting in the pews of our church. And working in the nurseries and serving in the Sunday schools and knocking doors on Saturday. And God bless you. Yeah. And I know that great opposition isn't exclusive to us right. and to them. And to the, it's, it's not because you're doing a great work. Right. Uh-huh. And I want to hear the reports. I want to know what doors you're going to discover as this church tries to do more for missions this year than they ever did, as you try by faith and grace to give. And there's going to be adversities, adversaries. And I want you, every adversary that comes, I want you to think there's an open door somewhere. And I want you with that heart of faith and that level of anticipation to soldier up. And you said, I have an active duty position in the army of God. And it's a great work. And there's going to be great opposition. But my friends, we have a great God. I look forward to hearing the reports, Pastor, of the results from this missions conference and how it will echo across this country, around the world, and through eternity. My friends, your investment in us, our church has already sent out over $5,000 in mission support. That's multiplications of your missions giving and investing in church planters. Thanks. That's exciting. That fruit, that's fruit that abounds to your account. And that's a great door and effectual that's been opened. And don't think the devil's not going to trace that back to where the seeds were planted. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Let's pray together tonight.